Perks of Being a Book Lover, a show featuring two completely opposite longtime friends. I'm Carrie. I bring the practical buzzkill vibe to this partnership with and, only one shoe. <laughs> and I'm Amy. I am upbeat and I'm social. And some people like Carrie say that I can be a little overly enthusiastic. Each week we have book nerd conversations with each other and sometimes a special guest. We not only talk about what we're reading, but other book-adjacent topics, such as stuff we've had to Google while reading, new titles on our TBR list, film adaptations that we've seen, and other bookish news. At the end of the shows, you'll have new books to put on your nightstand and hopefully a laugh or two along the way. Carrie, this is the last time we're going to have that opener. Yeah. This is our last episode of the season. We are going to be taking a month hiatus starting... As soon as this episode airs, and Carrie's going to go to Scotland, and then we're going to take a trip to Dayton, Columbus, and then I'm going to go to Oregon, and then we'll be back. We'll be renewed and refreshed and ready to... And have all new books to talk about. All new books to talk about. That's right. But we change our opener every season, and I already have some ideas. Uh Okay. Yeah. All right. Because we get sick of saying the same opener. We do. And I think you get more sick of it than I do, because... I just have to say it. You have to say it and then listen to it when Mm. you're doing the editing. So true. This morning we had to push back recording this because I had to have my eyes checked. I have a wonky eye. Always have had a wonky eye. Which one is it? It, It's the one on my right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The one on my right. When I was a little kid, we called it a lazy eye. But I have one eye that I guess the muscles just aren't as strong and will... Like if I'm really tired or sleepy, we'll drift. So it I've looks never noticed like, that about I you. I know, but it'll kind of drift over to the side. So it looks like not both of my eyes are looking hmm. at you. Chris, used, when he was first in medical school, he used me as a party trick like, <laughs> to all the other medical students. Look at this condition my wife has that we've studied, right? But I felt like it had been getting a little bit worse. I it's need... a tumor. <laughs> no. <laughs> at some point, I may eventually need to have surgery. Oh. And that is what they told me today, but not if I don't want it. So it's not like that eye is suddenly going to get stuck over there. Like I'm going to look like a wild-eyed fish or something. (laughs) So that's why I went. But now my eyes are dilated and it feels kind of... I'm surprised you can see anything. I can, but it's like my eyes hurt a little bit. Oh. So it kind of hurts to read. But I now have a prescription to get some of those really cool... What are they called? Progressive. Progressive lenses where I... I have the readers at the bottom and regular at the top. Except for that, one of the ways I make a fashion statement (laughs) is that I have a colorful uh, reader. My my colorful readers. I have like 20 pairs and I match them to my outfit and I always have a pair of readers. And so I'm not going to be able to do that with glasses. I did get one of those really pretty chains. Oh, uh, yes. To hold hold lady. Yes. I have an old lady chain. But it's really, I got it off Etsy. It's, It's very nice very chic and so i put that on my progressive so when i have to take those off they just you know hang around my neck and Uh i put on my computer glasses and yep Uh so you could do that you could have yeah add chains i could because my mo has been to to put them on top of my head yeah although i will say ever since i got bangs a couple months ago bangs i haven't had bangs in like i don't know 15 years Mm -hmm. but it messes with my bangs a little bit yeah so it's messing with them right now so uh, fix that I know. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, look good before you started okay what else do we have to talk about we had an interesting book club last night we did <laughs> we it was it was fun but one of our book club members tammy uh had book club at her parents farm which is a county away and it's a farm but also a wedding venue so it's like a hundred acres or so Mm -hmm. she said it's in shelbyville kentucky 
And she wanted to host us out there, partly because the book that we talked about this month is called The Sweetness of Water by Nathan Harris, uh, which is set on a farm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk about that book a little bit later. And so that was fun. I think she also just uh, wanted to show off, you know, yeah. her dad's farm. Yeah. And she goes out there quite often now, she says, because she has a new puppy is a year old mm-hmm. and he is full, full, full of energy. His name is Otis. He is a Brittany Spaniel, and he was the source of much excitement last <laughs> night. <laughs> so Tammy had told us, bring walking shoes. And so I was a, you know, a, a prepared Girl Scout. I came with my, I was wearing my Chacos, and I brought my tennis shoes and some socks. And so we sat outside and had book club outside, but she had the food inside the the bottom portion of this lodge. And all of us, when we went in, we just kind of dropped our stuff on the floor, including my shoes. I dropped one pair of shoes like on the floor. So we waited for everybody to get there. And then she said, okay, everybody's here. Let's let's go tour the, the property. And so I went to put on my tennis shoes and there's only one tennis shoe there. And so I'm like, hmm, did I bring them both in? I was pretty sure I had. So I went and checked my car and no tennis shoe in there. And so looked around and we did not find we it. We did not find it. We're pretty <laughs> sure it's uh, somewhere on the 100 acres. Probably, it's a hundred acre wood. <laughs> probably at the bottom of the pond because <laughs> Otis did get in the pond. And he was wet. He yes. was wet. Yes. Um, but he snuck out that shoe with no one noticing. Nobody noticed. No. Nobody um, noticed. <laughs> and then when we were eating, you know, for Otis, sharing is caring. <laughs> And Otis is a big believer in sharing, sharing your shoes, mm-hmm. sharing your food. He was watching another one of our book club members eat, and he just grabbed her sandwich off yeah, her like plate. Yeah, like straight out of her plate. Straight off of her plate. Yeah. But the funny thing was, then he got scolded and reprimanded, and he dropped it. And then his sister dog rushed in, and she ate the sandwich. Yeah. So he got in trouble, and, sh- and she got the sandwich. Yeah. So good for her. Yeah. That was the way to do it. Yeah, I hope maybe she can find my shoes. Maybe. She, she seems much more resourceful. <laughs> it makes for such a great story. Yeah, yeah. And the group has voted that Otis is now going to be our mascot. Absolutely. So he's he's a cutie. I'm going to I'll post a picture of him on our Instagram, but that was our excitement for the night that well, I mean, we had a great conversation about the book, <laughs> but let's say it's the out of the ordinary yeah. excitement yes. for yes. the night. So Yeah, we always have good conversations. Well, there was a a pretty famous author who died recently. Cormac McCarthy passed away. Have you read any Cormac McCarthy books? I have not read any. No, I have not. You know, I need to see if I have because... He had two books that came out this spring, actually. And people were saying they thought that would be probably his last published works oh no let's see i'm looking i feel like i've read well, something of no his. you had one of his that you hated and you dnf'd yeah which one was that blood meridian okay but a lot of people say the road is his i have that uh, as that i want to read opus magnus Ma- magnum magnus Magnum, Magnus, whatever. His his big deal. Yeah. His big deal book. Did you ever see the movie No Country for Old Men? I have not read the book, but I like the movie. No. Okay. That's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. But I have not read the book. But I also wanted to bring up, there was another writer passed away recently. So I'm on staff at Literary Mama, which is an online magazine. And This author was actually brought up in a meeting that I had been in for Literary Mama, and she's a Ghanaian writer, and her name was Ama Ata Aidu, and she was one of Africa's leading writers, (laughs) and she wrote a lot about West African society. And so because they had been discussing her, then when she passed away, I was like, oh, I I had never heard of her, but I was reading 
There's an, a Washington Post article. Uh, this is dated June 9th, and it's by Brian Murphy. And it talks about some of her, her novels, which sound pretty interesting. So one of them is called Changes, A Love Story. And it's about a woman who divorces after suffering marital rape. And then she unhappily becomes one of the wives of a Muslim businessman. And then uh, she has a semi-autobiographical novel called Our Sister Killjoy, which it talks about Western values through the racism and alienation felt by a Ghanaian student in Britain and Germany. Anyway, I thought, you know, that might be an author that I want to explore. I had not heard of her. She wasn't on my radar at all, but but now she is. Okay. And I sometimes like to check out writers that I've never heard about. I have a feeling I will be reading one of her books before I read one of Cormac McCarthy books. Yeah. Just- Do you think, I feel like Cormac McCarthy might be like a dude writer. I mean, it's hard to say. I've not read any of them, but I think there's a lot of violence and stuff in his books. Yeah. Well, I, I can't, I can't say. Because like I said, I started yeah. that, what was it, Blood Meridian? Yeah. But what I did not like about it wasn't the fact that it was violent. It was violent. I just couldn't make heads or tails of it. It was like sort of stream of consciousness. Uh, And I'm not sure, but isn't he the writer who's like not a huge fan of punctuation? Oh, yeah. No, he doesn't like punctuation. And so I am a fan of punctuation. (laughs) To me, punctuation has a very valuable role in writing. And so I don't know what the road is like. I don't know what all the pretty horses are like. So I I would be open to reading his books, but if if punctuation isn't much of a thing, I I just can't do that. Punctuation are kind of like traffic signs and driving. Yeah. Now, it is possible that if I listened to mm. it, so I tried reading it mm. and that did not work. But it is very possible that if I tried it as an audiobook and I have somebody else do the pacing for me, then that might be helpful. So that would probably be the way I'd have to go. And then, you know, some writers are just never. That's right. You they're know, not your like cup they're of tea. Not, you know. Well, rest in peace to both of those writers. Yeah. Those, both of those writers. Okay. Well, you, you are a lot more curious than I am. I think that's another, like, you are a, just a person who. Okay. You say that. But like, when we talk about stuff we've Googled, <laughs> you've always Googled more stuff than me. While reading. So while reading, I'm very curious. But like in a normal stretch of my everyday, I don't, I don't Google stuff. And you, I think, tend to be more like, oh, what's, maybe it's because you're on the, so you're on the socials more. I'm on the interwebs. You're on the interwebs. And so you see stuff. I don't know. But you just seem like you're more curious than me. And you were curious about a book-related topic that you went down a little bit of a hole, a Google Oh, hole. I did. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, oftentimes we talk about bookish news on here. There's a lot of bookish news going on with book bans and lawsuits. And it's almost like too much. I just, it makes my head hurt a little bit. So I decided that this week I was actually going to explore a question that I have had for a long time. And I'm going to give you all my newfound knowledge, which is, you know, you see on the front of books, some books will say, by USA Today bestselling author. And some of them will say by New York Times bestselling author. And I've often wondered, are they not using the same criteria? Like, why are there two different lists? Mm -hmm. And are they different? So I looked it up, mm. and there is a difference. Oh, okay. Um, I read an article by Vox.com that kind of spelled out the different ones, and I, we'll include the link for this article because it also includes Publishers Weekly has a list, oh. IndieBound, which is with independent bookstores, has a list. So if you go to this article, you can read about those as well. I'm going to talk about the USA Today, New York Times, and Wall Street Journal, because those are generally the ones that you see on books. So not all the lists use the same data. Hmm. USA Today compiles its own data from a handful of independent bookstores and a lot of the big booksellers such as Barnes & Noble, Target, Amazon. 
but it doesn't divide its list up between like fiction or nonfiction, mm. children's or YA, any of that. It's just all one list and it reports the top 150 titles sold across all genres and in all formats except for audio. Okay. The Wall Street Journal bases its list off of sales figures that it gets from Nielsen's book scan. So book scan is, you know, on the back of your book, there's a barcode. Mm -hmm. And so when they sell a book, they scan that code. So it's it's going by that. In general, if you sell the most books in a category as reported by BookScan, you will hit number one in that category on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. But BookScan doesn't track all purchases, apparently. So I think I do need to Google more about BookScan. I, I think I know what it is, but now that I'm reading this a little closer, I'm not totally sure. But it doesn't include sales made through stores such as Walmart, Sam's Club, things like this. Hmm. It also doesn't include sales from self-publishing platforms, which are thousands yeah. of authors. Mm -hmm. So that's their criteria. Now, the New York Times <laughs> is cloaked in secrecy Ooh. about hmm. how they do it. They're not completely transparent. transparent. Here's the statement that their spokesperson said. The spokesperson said the Times bestseller lists are based on a detailed analysis of book sales from a wide range of retailers who provide us with specific and confidential context of their sales each week. These standards are applied consistently across the board in order to provide Times readers our best assessment of what books are the most broadly popular at that time. That's meaningless. Yeah. So it pulls sales data from a sampling of independent bookstores, although nobody knows, I guess maybe unless you work for the New York Times in their book section, nobody knows what stores those are. And also the big Barnes and Noble and Amazon. But, and it divides it into categories. So they have a fiction list and they have a nonfiction list. So you could be be a bestseller on the nonfiction list but maybe on the USA Today, you wouldn't be because they put all of their books on one. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And we don't know how many bookstores the New York Times talks to. It could be two. It could be And wouldn't it depend, too, on where, where they, they are? are? Right. Hmm. We don't know how it weights the different kind of sales between independent bookstores and Amazon and Barnes & Noble or how it interprets the data. So... There's a rumor that independent bookstore sales are weighted more heavily than, say, Walmart sales, but the Times has never confirmed that. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. Yes. Yes. Hmm. And also, you know, Amazon's imprints ne hardly ever turn up on the bestseller list. So they think that they weight traditional publishing houses higher than they would Amazon mm -hmm. or self-publishing hmm. Uh, houses. So that is the difference between those three. Now, IndieBound and Publishers Weekly um, have their own systems too. I've heard that Publishers Weekly is probably the most fair. Mm. Uh, I can't tell you what that is because I didn't actually. You haven't done the research yourself? I haven't done the research myself on Publishers Weekly. But if you're at all interested in this, go check it out on Vox. But I'm glad that I know because everybody kind of uses the New York Times as the gold standard. But makes me wonder, you know. Because everybody's heard of the New York Times. Yeah. Okay, well, let me ask you this since we're talking about these. Yeah. Has a book being a New York Times bestseller or... Uh, a USA Today bestseller, has that ever influenced a buying decision for you? No. Or a decision to read a certain book? Uh, no, probably okay. not. Because I know it definitely hasn't with me. Mostly because if I see it's a New York Times bestselling book, I'm probably going to make a beeline to not read it. Really? Well, I wouldn't because, say that. I, I'm yeah, not yeah. that way. Yeah, no, because I'm like, well, oh, this is something everybody's reading. I don't want any part of that. Yeah, It means to me that a lot of people have read it. And therefore, even though I should not make this assumption, it also carries some weight to me like, oh, well, a lot of people have read this. So there must be some gravitas to it. But 
I know that that is not true yeah, because I've read, yeah. read lots of small press books that were excellent that traditional publishers yeah. didn't publish. So my general idea is if it stands the test of time, mm-hmm. you know, I look at more, has it won prize? You know, like... Well, it's has- funny you should say that because there are a lot of people who will not read a book if it's won the National Book Award, won the Booker Prize, any of those, because some of those books have a reputation for being maybe deep, but unenjoyable. Yeah. Unenjoyable. Well, see, that might be why I'm why they appeal to me. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean I love them all, but yeah. I tend to go by that. But f- but I'm contrary. So, you know, I, I think they're all the awards being on a bestseller list. I think that they're all ways of gauging a book, but different people go by different. Yeah. I was just curious yeah. whether yeah. that ever makes a difference for you. Because I'm like, eh, I don't care. New York Times bestseller, yeah, big deal. Yeah, I guess it does. It, it doesn't really matter. But you know, sometimes when publicists are pitching an author, oh, to they us, all say that they will say they're you know New York Times, Times bestseller, bestseller or USA Today bestseller yeah. or and I you go, know. Nah, don't care. <laughs> well, sometimes I think I really like interviewing authors that are a little under the radar, but I always think too that there's probably a lot of readers who maybe want to hear from New York yeah. Times bestselling authors so it's a trade-off yeah anyway enough about that okay well, enough what about reading? that what have i been reading i just finished a book that would be a good one for summer and it just came out last week called the scent of a garden by namrata patel and namrata patel was a guest on our show last year when her debut novel came out uh called the candid life of mina dave which i really enjoyed And so I was excited to get an early copy of this and read it. This one is set in Paris and Napa Valley. And it's the story of Asha Patel, who spent her whole life training to be one of the premier perfumers, perfumers, I guess I'm saying that right, in the world. But her dreams for that may be crushed because she gets COVID. And then her very sensitive sense of smell has not returned. So therefore, she cannot function adequately in her job. She's living in Paris, working for a perfumer there. And that company she's working for removes her from a very important account and tells her to take a vacation. So she goes back home to see her family in Napa Valley, where generations of her family have owned hotels, now a high-end hotel in the area. But when she goes back, she worries that she will disappoint her very high-achieving family because they all want to be CEOs or doctors or lawyers, that she's going to disappoint them because she cannot smell anymore. But as she throws herself into other activities, she's there for a month, she begins to wonder whose dream being a perfumer was anyway. Mm. Was it hers? Was it her mother's? Was it her grandmother's? So this book whisks you away to beautiful Napa Valley, but it is a story about complicated families and how much do we owe to them with our dreams and their dreams. Um, and there's also a little there's a little romance in there, uh, just like in her last book. Um, but it really does transport you to Napa and you'll wish you were sitting among the wildflowers in a garden drinking a Chardonnay. Hmm. Well, last week when we had Sam on, you know, one of the things I asked her was, you know, did she see any trends um, in the books that were coming out this year? And she mentioned that a lot of them had to do with COVID in some way. And so Namrata's book is an example Mm, of that. You know, it's not the main part of the story, but the fact that she has lost her sense of smell, which is her livelihood and part of, her being able to achieve this, what she thought was a dream of hers, is a little bit foiled because of COVID. So we're, you know, we are dealing with the aftermath of how COVID has affected people's lives in both big and small ways. Nice. So again, that is Scent of a Garden by Namrata Patel. What about you, Carrie? So when I heard what you were going to talk about, I had to... <laughs> had my own little spin. I listened to it by audiobook not too long ago. It's called The Scent of Burnt Flowers. Oh, wow. <laughs> a good smell and a bad smell. Okay. 
by Blitz Bazawool. Bazawule. Bazawule? He, he did it. He was on uh, The Daily Show. Oh. Bazawule. I like that name. That's mm-hmm. fun to say. Mm-hmm. Bazawule. Mm-hmm. And I chose this book for the cover. We did that episode a while back where we talked about books that lured us by their covers. So this has a, a pretty cool cover. And that's really that's really why I picked it. So this is the story of Melvin and Bernadette. Uh, there are a couple that flee from the United States to head to Ghana in the 1960s. Talking about Ghana again. But what would make a couple flee like this? Melvin has big plans to open his own car dealership. But one evening, while making his way to purchase cars, he's attacked by racists looking for a black man to hassle. Melvin makes a split-second protective decision and now has blood on his hands. He went to college with a man who is now the president of Ghana, and Melvin sees this man as his only chance for life. He has to get out of the United States. So they go to Ghana, but uh, living in Ghana and running from the FBI is not pleasant. Uh, They also happen to come to Ghana when there's a a coup that's brewing. Against Uh, the president who's his friend? Against the president who's his friend. And so this makes for a very dangerous and suspenseful story. One of the FBI agents has been told not to follow them, but he disobeys orders and follows them anyway. So you're you're dealing with a renegade FBI agent. So will Melvin and Bernadette outrun this agent who is absolutely obsessed with arresting them? Will they ever meet up with Ghana's president? Read to find out. Wow, it sounds yeah. like a it was pretty interesting. I like suspense novel, yeah. yeah, which aren't normally your thing. Well, I didn't know anything about it. I literally picked it because of the cover, so <laughs> I didn't know what I was getting into. <laughs> Well, very good. Well, these actually sound, that sounds like a good, could be a good summer read too, if you like propulsive thrillers. So say the name of it again. It's called uh, The Scent of Burnt Flowers by Blitz Bazawule. And is he a Ghanaian author? See, that's what I mean. You're curious about stuff. Yes. He is. He is a uh, filmmaker, author, visual artist, rapper, singer, songwriter, and record producer. Very good. Yeah. Good reads. We should probably take a a short break. I think we should. We should take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to do all the June stuff. Yeah. We're back. And we are going to talk... Well, okay. So here's the thing. When we're planning these episodes, we're always like, okay, what's what are we going to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. The episodes where we don't have a guest. What are we going to talk about? And so we were thinking about, you know, when it was around Mother's Day, we had done an episode about mother figures. And so June, you know, we thought about Father's Day, but June is also, you know, Juneteenth is, well... June 19th, which will actually be a couple days past by the time this airs. And then Pride. Pride Month, Pride. Mm-hmm. right? Pride Month. So we were like, okay, well, there's just a lot of things going on this month, and we don't want to not talk about one of those three big ones. So then we thought, okay, but we we have to talk about more than just three books each. That's that's not a whole lot. So then we found one of those calendars where, you know, you can find out all the different things that are in June, right? And so we decided that we were going to talk about, we were going to pick a Juneteenth book, pick a dad book, a pride book. And it's National Audiobook Month. It's National Audiobook Month, so we decided to pick that. And it is also, what is it, National Aquarium Month? I think it's National Ocean Awareness Month or something like that. We did a a wild card. National Oceans Month. Okay. Yeah. Those are the categories. Now, we talked about doing, it's also like National Fruits and And Vegetables vegetables Month. (laughs) But that was really hard to find book before. So I'm calling it the June dump, the June, the June month dump. Yep. So which one do you want to start with? Okay, well, let's start with, I guess let's start with Pride, because that's an entire month. Juneteenth is a day. Father's okay. Day is a day. 
And then we'll do oceans and audiobooks. We'll do those last. So let's start with Pride. What's your okay. Pride book? So the book that I'm going to talk about for Pride Month could probably also be used for Dad's Day, mm. Father's Day. Okay. But it's called Fun Home by Allison Bechdel. This is a classic graphic memoir from 2007, and it's about the author's complicated relationship with her late father. And um, in this graphic novel, as the author is starting to realize that she herself is a lesbian when she's in college, she then finds out that her father was actually a closeted gay man, which made him extremely unhappy. He had an unhappy life. And so we talked about this book extensively uh, way back in episode 22. Oh, my I, gosh. I guess would have been season two. So like several years ago wow. when our guest was Michael Drury, who is the chief creative director at Pandora Productions, which is a theater group here in Louisville that focuses on producing LGBTQ plays. And so... Fun Home was adapted for the stage and was on Broadway for a while. I believe it won a Tony Award. And I saw the production of Fun Home here, and it was an amazing production and made me realize that Pandora Productions was one of my favorite theater troops here in Louisville. We actually have a very active theater scene here, uh, and their productions are always always good. And you know me, I'm not really a huge graphic novel reader, but I really enjoyed this one. And it won a Lambda Literary Award and a Stonewall Book Award. And before she wrote this book, Alison Bechtel, she created comics called Dykes to Watch Out For. (laughs) And she had a series of comic books on that theme like new improved dykes to watch out for anyway so that um again was fun home by allison bechtel what about you so i found this book i think i was googling like short books to read at some point (laughs) that is always your search almost is short books to read yes because i just unless it's something that just really draws me in i'm like I don't have time for 400 pages. I need to, like I need to get this stuff done. So the book is called And Then the Gray Heaven by R.E. Katz. This is the story. And again, I went into this knowing nothing. <laughs> it's kind of funny how many books I go into going, I don't know anything about this. That's kind of fun, though. Except that it's short. That's all I know. So this is the story of Jules, whose partner B has been killed in an accident. And Jules has to navigate the horrors that often come with having a recently deceased gay partner, including the bureaucratic red tape of hospital privacy and the partner's family who refuses to include you in the funeral and grieving process. Mm -hmm. And so Jules is grieving, is heartbroken, but wants to give B a meaningful send-off since Jules was not included in the funeral, it's really important that Jules do something to commemorate B's life and existence. And so Jules begins a journey with a new friend to explore loss in its entirety. And and the way Jules does, I won't say what Jules does, but it's it's really pretty impactful. And uh it, it stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Like this it was a short book, but hmm. uh, you know, it made me think about things that I had never never really considered so uh, and that's called and then the gray heaven by re cats okay i think we should do the audiobook next because audiobook is that a month it's a month okay not just a day okay let's do it okay so the one i'm gonna pick is called invasion of the body snatchers by jack finney and i'm sure most people have heard of this when i saw this on my library's audiobook app when i think of that title i think of like the cheesy 70s horror movie, but it was written as a book first in 1956. And I kind of just decided to listen to this on a whim. But once I listened to it, I am totally sure I enjoyed it more by audiobook than if I had read like a print copy. It was narrated by Christopher Tambori, and it has all the little special effects as if you were listening to an old radio show. 
Tambori is actually the son of the director of the original movie adaptation, which was kind of a cool connection. Uh, and this is a classic horror story. That he, you know, like I said, Fiddy wrote it in 1956 about what happens when a local doctor discovers alien life forms are taking over the bodies and minds of the members of this small town. When somebody asks me, what's an audiobook you'd recommend? This one always pops into my head. And so I wanted to mention it. I listened to this one maybe five or six years ago. I'd listened to books on tape and they were fine. This is the first one that I listened to where I thought I enjoyed this more than if I had read the book, I believe. And so that's one of the reasons that I'm choosing it. So again, the name of that is Invasion of the Body Snatchers by Jack Finney. So you have pretty exacting audiobook <laughs> standards. We should probably bring that up because you would be like the audiobook connoisseur and I am like the whatever, I will listen to whatever. I mean, like I know the difference. There are some audiobooks that are better than others, but I am more easily satisfied. You will talk about how, like, I started an audiobook, but I couldn't listen to it. And then I started another audiobook, couldn't listen to it. Start. So we have different standards here. Yeah. I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks that kind of cover the gamut. I think there are a lot of audiobooks that I listen to that you would be like, these can't even touch my eardrums. <laughs> Maybe so. I didn't realize that I was... You're pretty excited. Yeah. I, maybe I'm a boutique. You're a boutique. I'm a boutique <laughs> audiobook listener. I don't know. I just like certain voices are just too boring or they grate on my nerves or it ha really has to hold my attention. So, okay. So for you, this is a question I wanted to ask you. So how much is it the book and how much is it the audio? It's mainly the audio. Okay. See, for me, I am willing to put up with a lot if I want to read the book. Like, mm -hmm. if it's a book I really want to read, I really don't even care what the... Oh, I do. Because I can't pay attention. Oh. If the narration is not engaging, mm -hmm. my mind will wander off to other things, and then I have no idea what's so, happening. So, so even if the story is really good, if, you, if something doesn't jive with the audio, you can't listen to it. Right. Okay. In fact, I'll give you an example. I am reading a book right now by ebook that is a book that I tried to listen to by audio maybe six months ago. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like the narration that much. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about this book. Mm. So I stopped reading it. It's a rom-com. And uh, I saw that this author was coming out with another book and I thought, you know, I really need to give her book another try. Mm -hmm. So this time I decided to read it and I really like it. Mm. It was just that I didn't like the narration. Okay. See, I think with me, it's more, I'm probably like 90% focused on the story and 10%, like, I don't even think it matters that much to me. Well, it has to be a good, I mean, it also has to be a good story. Well, Yeah. For an audiobook, the narration can make it or break it, okay. where I think for you, that's no. not the case. Yeah. yeah. Which all of this is to say, I'm not setting you up that I'm going to talk about a terribly narrated story. Anyway, the book I'm going to talk about is Lone Women by Victor Laval. Now, this is a book that I really wanted to read. I have read, this is my third Victor Laval book. I had listened to The Changeling, and that was a mind-blowing book. So when I heard about this one, I was like, okay, I got to read this one. So I waited. I even put it on hold, which normally I do not do. It is the story of Adelaide Henry. She is leaving California to head to Montana. This is the early 1900s. Her parents have been killed in a horrifying way that you don't fully understand until much later in the novel. Adelaide's prized possession that she takes with her, and I don't know if I'd call it really a prized possession, but th she will not let this out of her sight. It's a trunk that she does not want others to open. It's locked tight, and she checks it often. When she arrives in Big Sandy, Montana, she begins to make friends with other women who are alone and marginalized, trying to make their way in the harsh environment of the West. But Adelaide has to keep her trunk hidden. And that plan works pretty well until one night a lover can't ignore his curiosity. To say that all hell breaks loose is an understatement. 
Adelaide realizes she has to accept some truths that she has hidden from herself for a long time. Okay, so I know that Victor Laval writes horror? Yes. Is this yes. also horror? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. He, he's one of your favorites. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I really like this one. Okay. And, and I really like the narrator. Now, Amy, I don't know if it would meet... I'll give it a try. I don't know if it would meet your standards, but I... Re- but again, I really wanted to read it. So... And I think sometimes, at least for me, because I would say I actually listen to more audio horror books than read them. And I feel like there's something about listening to them that makes them... I'm wondering if they give me the chills more than if I was mm. reading them. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, um, it's more of like the theatrical. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Lone Women by Victor Laval. Both of the ones that we picked are sort of horror. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. creepy. Yeah. In creepy. the least. Yeah. 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 Well, I've been wanting to read Lone Women anyway, yeah. so. I'll, try I'll, it. I'll try it, and then I'll come back and say, you are listening to, like, Walmart brand <laughs> Audiobooks, Carrie. That's okay. That's okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Big lots. Dollar General. <laughs> and I'm like listening to like the Etsy level. All right. Okay. Well. All right. You know, to each his own, right? <laughs> All right. What's next? Uh, do you want to do Juneteenth or Father's Day? Let's do Juneteenth. Okay. Well, I'm going to talk about the book that we talked about last night in book club. Cool. Which was The Sweetness of Water by Nathan Harris. This is historical fiction. It's set in Georgia directly after the Civil War has ended and Union troops occupy the South to make sure slaves are actually emancipated and to keep the peace. And we have our main character, George, who is a middle-aged man. He's inherited a lot of land and money from his father, but he's never really done anything with his land. In fact, he's, he's kind of a cerebral guy who just doesn't do a whole lot. But after the war has ended, he has decided, I think as he wants to have a legacy uh, for himself, he just decides he wants to develop that land and he wants to create a peanut farm. So when he's walking in the woods on his property one day, he encounters two freed slaves from a neighboring plantation in the woods, Prentice and Landry, and he offers to pay them fair wages and a secure place to live in his barn to work alongside him to create this peanut farm on his land. And this act of acknowledging equality sets off anger in this little community and leads to a series of events that snowballs and changes a lot about the town. This book, to me, kind of shows you how freedom and equality is not like an automatic thing. I think that we thought, okay, the day that the war was over, then everybody was free and everything was, you know, the slaves were free, everything was okay, but it's not an automatic thing. And so Juneteenth shows that because the the slaves in Texas, Texas didn't know that they were free for a while after. Two years. Right. And even 150 years later, we still have a lot of self-reflection to do on the effects of slavery. Uh, So I really enjoyed this book. We had a very rich discussion about it at book club last night, but I actually think it's a really good book to read um, for the Juneteenth holiday. Again, that is The Sweetness of Water by Nathan Harris. And one thing I do want to say about it, though, is while there are a lot of sad things that happen in this book, to me, it was hopeful as well. Um, So, you know, there are definitely dark pieces, but there's some hopefulness. I gave it four stars as well. Yeah. Yeah. I gave it four four and a half. I liked it a little bit better than you, but but overall, it was good. Thumbs up. Okay, what's what's yours? So the book I chose is The Door of No Return by Kwame Alexander. And I listened to this on audiobook. Of course you Um, did. Is it written in verse? It is a story written in verse. And it's the story of a a boy named Kofi who lives with his family in West Africa in the mid-1800s. He has a crush on a girl. He admires his older brother. He loves listening to his grandfather's stories. But during a festival wrestling contest, when his brother fights and accidentally kills the prince of another tribe, Kofi's family and community are torn apart by slavers who follow the king's wishes for retaliation. 
The title of the book refers to the passageway of a Ghanaian. Everything's Ghana. This, this is, is big this Ghana. This Ghana episode. Okay. Um, a Ghanaian fortress called Cape Coast Castle, through which some 12 million Africans were forced into slavery. And so this is apparently the first book in a series. So what I expect is that, you know, he ends up being enslaved and then I assume the other books will sort of either follow his path or maybe his descendants. But while I was looking up information, um, because, you know, you hear the door of no return, right? right? You Mm -hmm. hear it associated with this particular castle in Ghana. But there are apparently several doors of no return, including one in Benin and in Senegal. Hmm. So um, while that is probably the most well-known, it is not the only one. Okay. That book is called The Door of No Return by Kwame Alexander. Am I remembering right that like he went on a trip yes. to Ghana? Yes. And, and he this, went there. He went there and mm-hmm. this is a result mm-hmm. of, of, his, of his trip. Yep. Okay. Very good. Okay, on to Dad's Day. Daddy-O's. Father's Day. Yep. What you got? I am going to talk about a book. I read this, oh, it's been quite a while, but it's called The Chosen by Kayam Potok. We read that in book club years yes. ago. Yes, mm-hmm. but it's a really, really powerful story. So it is about two friends, Reuven and Danny who grow up in Brooklyn, New York, and they have a lot in common. You know, they're they're young guys, they live in Brooklyn, they're both Jewish. But Reuven's father is a Zionist, while Danny's father is ultra-Orthodox. Danny's father only communicates with him while discussing the Talmud. He has no other communication with his son outside of this. When the boys get to college, Danny wants to study psychology not become a rabbi like his father. So Danny, you know, his father is a rabbi. His father wants him to become a rabbi. He wants to study psychology. Reuven, on the other hand, his father is a professor, but Reuven wants to become a rabbi. This story is largely about friendship, but it's also about father-son relationships and about the pull between modernity and the past. And you have fathers and sons kind of doing the opposite. So it's a nice comparison of these two father-son relationships. I remember really liking that book. Yeah. So that's The Chosen by Kayim Potok. Well, it's funny because the one I'm going to talk about also has some Jewish roots in it as well. Yes. Uh, The book I chose is Inheritance, a memoir of genealogy, paternity, and love by Danny Shapiro. Uh, this is a memoir about the author and her relationship with fathers. So she grew up in a, an Orthodox Jewish family. Uh, she was very close to her father. And then both of her parents um, have since died. But in 2016, she took a, you know, one of those 23andMe DNA tests sort of for fun. But when it came back, the results sort of rocked her world. Because it made her question who she really is, because who she thought was her biological father couldn't possibly be her father. Mm. And because both of her parents are deceased, she couldn't really ask them about it. So she goes on a search to find out how and why this happened. Did her mother have an affair? You know, who is her father? What happened? And... She wants to find out all those answers. But because she grew up Orthodox Jewish and she's blonde and blue eyed <laughs> and it was always a little bit strange, but she didn't think too much of it because she knew who her parents were. She's not genetically Jewish. And so this sort of made her question her whole identity. She, you know, she went to Orthodox Jewish schools. It had her asking questions about what it means to be a father, e- emotional and biological. And has medical technology moved so fast that we don't necessarily have the emotional capability to cope with it. So there's lots to talk about here. She does find out who her biological father is. And does she want to have a relationship with him? Does he want to have a relationship with her? Um, This would be a great book club discussion book because there's so much to talk about. Um, So again, the name of that is Inheritance, a Memoir of Genealogy, Paternity, and Love by Danny Shapiro. Very good. Yeah. 
All okay, right. we got one more. Our, National our, Ocean Month. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people going to the ocean. That's true. That's true. If they're lucky, they'll get to see the animal that, that I'm going to talk about. The book that I picked is The Soul of an Octopus by Cy Montgomery. Several years ago, I went down like a big octopus hole. Yeah. In fact, I still send you stuff about octopi. Yeah. Yeah. Because I love them. All the time. I love them. So this was a finalist for the National Book Award in 2015. Cy Montgomery is an awesome science naturalist writer who brings to life the stories of several octopuses, including those who live in aquariums. Now, a book like this could be really dull. But Cy Montgomery has a unique gift for making you absolutely fall in love with the animals she discusses. She explores their unique intelligence, which is far greater than you might imagine. And if you decide to read this book, I recommend reading it and then watching My Octopus Teacher, a 2020 documentary on Netflix. So The Soul of an Octopus by Cy Montgomery, followed by My Octopus Teacher. She is one of those nonfiction writers of like Mary Roach or, mm-hmm, or can take mm-hmm. subject matter that could be dull and makes it amazing uh, amazing yeah. and that documentary my octopus teacher i remember watching it it was co- the covid the covid year when we mm-hmm. were all stuck in our houses and sometimes depressed and anxious and it totally brought my spirits up mm-hmm. i have such fond fond memories of that documentary so i highly recommend yeah Okay, I'm going to talk about a middle grade book. Okay. It's called The Thing About Jellyfish by Allie Benjamin. This is, like I said, a middle grade book about a girl named Susie whose best friend dies in a drowning accident. And Susie is trying to process the fickle way of death and how someone her age just up and dies. I mean, dying is what old people do, not what like seventh graders do, right? But Susie likes science. And so she is, in her mind, convinced herself that her friend's death must have been caused by a rare jellyfish sting. There are lots of scientific facts woven into this story about jellyfish specifically, but also about the natural world in in general. And it's just a lovely, hopeful book about death and grief and continuing on with life. And while it is great for middle graders, it is also a really wonderful story for any age. And I believe that it was a National Book Award finalist. And I thoroughly enjoyed this when I read it many years ago. So the name of that is The Thing About Jellyfish by Allie Benjamin. So that was a National Book Award finalist also in 2015, like when the Cy Montgomery book was oh. a national, the, the that particular group of national book award, yes. they must have been very into oceans or something yeah. that year. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. That they're, they were both. We have lots of parallel things. Yeah. Ugh, what's going on? I know. It's like the mind meld. You don't want it doing this. Mind. We need a break. <laughs> we need a break. <laughs> well, we definitely need a break from this right at this moment. <laughs> So, and when we come back, we're going to talk about our TBR lists. I don't know what we're going to talk about. Yeah, we just know. have to see. We're back. And in that brief intermission, we figured out what we're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> we are so at the end of a season. Carrie, we have some listener feedback. Ooh. It's very exciting. So we had a listener from Idaho send us an email a few weeks ago. This is what she wanted to tell us. She said, I love your podcast. Your chat makes it even more enjoyable. I just finished Blood in the Bluegrass, which was recommended by you. And since I just watched the Kentucky Derby, I found this even more enjoyable. Thanks for the great show. I look forward to it every week. So that is our our new friend from Idaho. And uh, thank you. Thank you. That like made our day. Yeah. So if anybody else has nice things they'd like to say to us, you can always (laughs) just email us. (laughs) Because, you know, I bask in the glow for a while once one of these come in. Yeah. That's another way we're different. I'm kind of like, oh, that's nice. (laughs) And I'm like, wow, she (laughs) likes us. She really (laughs) likes us. (laughs) I Googled. Books set in Oregon or the Pacific Northwest because of our upcoming trip to Oregon, which is, you know, something that I like to do is read books 
about places that I'm going. But then I didn't even need that because one of our listeners, Kate, who lives in the Pacific Mm. Northwest, sent me a very detailed message, which was wonderful, about places that we should check out while we're in Oregon, but also a list because she listens to the show and knows that I like to read books about places I go. She gave me a whole list of books that I should check out. Awesome. Yeah. One is called Burying My Dead by Betty Lennett Denny. Uh, One that sounds awesome called Grail, A Year Ambling and Shambling Through an Oregon vineyard in pursuit of the best Pinot Noir in the world. Oh my gosh. That's got all your favorite things, walking and wine. I know, by Brian Doyle. And then another one called My Abandonment by Peter Rock. Anyway, I'm I'm checking out her list um, to see which ones that I can get at my local library. But thank you, Kate, for that message that you sent us. Anything and everything, Oregon. Very good. So Very good. So, Carrie, what have you added to your TBR list? Hmm. What's the latest on the TBR? <laughs> okay. So I did add several books that Sam talked about. I did, too. Um, when, yeah. when we had her on. But <laughs> I don't know where this particular book came from, but it's funny, so I'll mention it. It's called Fallacy. P-H-A-L-L-A-C-Y, followed by a a colon, Life Lessons from the Animal Penis. Oh, boy. By Emily (laughs) Willingham. And that came out in 2020. And if that doesn't scream Carrie, (laughs) then nothing does. I have no idea where I heard about this book, but I immediately added it to my tbr i cannot wait to hear what you think about that yeah so that that's i would say that's the the most important one that i've added to my list okay what about you i added one called the good ones by polly stewart and i added it because this author was recently at carmichael's books doing an author event uh, and i wasn't able to go because i was out of town but it's a literary suspense novel that Uh, and I'm reading this from the book description, illuminates the push and pull of female friendships and the cost of being good Mm. when the rules for women begin to chafe. I'm attracted to books about female friendship recently. And so um, I I read another book that I will talk about in a future episode that was about a toxic female friendship. Mm. So it must be something that- Are you trying to send me a message? No, I'm not. I'm not. Just checking. And then the other one I added, I heard about just the other day, is On Earth As It Is on Television by Emily Jane. And this just sounds like a weird book about aliens and spaceships and Hmm. arriving on Earth. And that seems a uh, little out of your wheelhouse. It does. But it sounded, I mean, it's set on Earth. We've got Heather and Blaine and going to Disney World, but there's aliens and spaceships. It just sounds like a weird book. Yeah. But I think I was partly drawn to it because it sounded kind of weird, but in a fun, whimsical kind of way. But Mm -hmm. also the author, Emily Jane, is in Cincinnati. Oh. And so I always like to try to read, you know, regional. Regional. Very good. And that's a wrap, Carrie. Woo! Season eight. episode of season eight. We have already started planning season nine. We already have probably four, five, five I think, guests already up. scheduled for interviews. We've really liked doing this new format where one week we interview an author or a bookish person. And then the next week, Carrie and I give you books on a theme to add to your TBR. On, on whatever weird things we, we want to do. Pull out of so here. we really enjoyed that. I've kind of picked, I mean, I've kind of talked to some listeners about what they think about it. And we've generally gotten good reviews on that. But I, we'd love to get feedback from you all. Well, Carrie would say only good feedback. But we would like well, to. <laughs> and, well, and I should qualify that we like what we're doing. So we're probably not going to change our mind anyway. But if you want to let us know, no. just. Go ahead. Go for it. Whatever. Whatever floats Uh, your boat. But we might add some, we might do some different things. We like to change things up every season. So you just have to wait and see what happens. Yep. Season nine. Early Uh, August. I think early August. Early August. So uh, we'll see you all in a a, a month or so. Yeah. We're out of here. See ya. Happy reading. 
For show notes for any episode, go to our website at perksofbeingabooklover.com. We're also on Instagram at Perks of Being a Book Lover Pod and on Facebook at Perks of Being a Book Lover. If you like what we're doing with the show, let a friend know. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to help people find us or leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or you can even send us an email through our website. Finally, a huge thank you to Ford Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots community radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there, live or in archives, at forwardradio.org. 